Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Take three. <laughs> yeah, because we weren't recording the first time and we abandoned number two. Yes, we did. <laughs> um, welcome to this ASMR episode. I don't think you could really classify what you did at the beginning there as ASMR. That was just shout whispering. Well, I think when I was doing the ASMR, I'm slightly worried it wasn't loud enough, so... Then I in context, uh, we did a ASMR opening last time, <laughs> and it was really kind of soothing. And this one was just like, "Hello there." Last time I was like this. Hello. Welcome to the Tell us on Instagram if you can hear that. The reason I was like, people like listening on buses or in a yeah, car oh, or something, they're going to be like, what? "What? What's going on here? Why is it so quiet?" So I thought I'd change it up and turn it up. I can't hear you. Exactly. Anyway. Welcome to the Untitled Film Podcast with Callum and Johnny. Um, we are going to talk about some exciting movies this week. Um, and sometimes we put things about the movies we're going to talk about somewhere on the interwebs. And Callum, tell us about where we might put such things. Well, you can find us on Untitled Film Podcast. It's all one word on Facebook and Instagram, though you're probably more likely to find us on Instagram. We're always there, checking our messages, desperately. And uh, we're on YouTube as well. Uh, if you want to listen to a podcast just casually on YouTube, you can do that. And we asked a question this week, because uh, we did animated films last week. We did The Rise of Gru, Minions 2, that's the wrong way around, and Lilo and Stitch. 
And um, we asked, what's your favourite animated movies? I'm sorry, we rushed it a bit, so I didn't ask why. Which you should have done. Which I should have done. It's a rookie mistake. Yeah, it is a bit of a... You would not be a good ESL teacher. I probably would not be. (laughs) Um, So we just got a bunch of kind of quick answers. But, you know, some interesting ones. Mm. Um, So the first one I saw was from uh, Joseph Hunt. And he said, The Triplets of Belleville. It's a wonderful film. It's a really good choice, very yeah. left field choice. I haven't seen it for a while, actually, and I really liked it. And what was he? The, the director did another film afterwards, which was quite cool. Uh, the as well. Illusionist or the Illum- Illumination or something like that, because it was about um, a character who was kind of pretty much like Jacques Tati, but yeah. I don't think they. I don't think they called him Jacques Tati. It was just he was based on his movements and based on a script by him as well. Yeah, that so that is a is a good choice. I always really like that. Uh, yeah, I've watched it for a while as I say. Frozen Two and um, Frozen Two said by uh, Chris Wade and his partner Natasha and uh, and they said it's a they they probably What's watched it more than their child has. I think they kind of just put it on as an excuse. Oh yeah, we're putting it on for the kids. Yeah, yeah, not us. Do you want to know what we think? I've never seen Frozen One. Uh, going really? Frozen Two? No, because I was I was game to see it. I was like, yeah, yeah, that'd be fine. It'd be fine. I'll watch that at some point. And then I just got so sick of Let It Go. And I was just like... That's fair enough. I just couldn't watch it. It's also, I have to say, because of the same reason. I like the film, but of that kind of new wave of uh, 3D animation Disney princess movies, it's not a patch on Tangled, I don't think. No. I really rate Tangled. Okay. Yeah, I rate Tangled. I like a lot of the characters in it. I'm intrigued with two, though, because I did hear good things about two. It's sort of more epic fantasy based. They, okay. they expand the world and the powers and stuff. So it's a bit more Lord of the Rings than you might expect. Interesting. Got uh, James and the Giant Peach. Uh, Mum delights in telling the story of when I was six years old and saw that in the cinema. And the giant rhino comes out of the clouds. I screamed <laughs> and I had to be removed from the theatre. I actually watched it quite recently Me again, too. and I I really I love Henry Silo. Good, so I really rate yeah, it. I, I watched it um, only the other day actually. Yeah, yeah, I, it wasn't that long ago I watched it either actually. Um, yeah, really rate it. Uh, who else have we got? Um, Enchanto, which again I haven't seen because of that fucking Bruno song being everywhere. It's put me <laughs> right off watching it. Um, I, also for a Disney slash Pixar because I know it is. Dis- I think it is Disney, not Pixar, isn't it? Yes, but. They they share a lot of uh, like a design language. Didn't like the design of the characters. I thought thought it was too fiddly. Um, but the interesting thing about this song is that it's not like a big epic showstopper. It's like an incidental song, mm-hmm. which is uh, for it to become a hit was quite a mm, rare like thing. The, but it is. I, I've heard good, very good things about it. I've heard lot, lots of people tell me they like. It. Have you you've seen it? I assume. Yeah, yeah, it's did good. You like it? I did. Good. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon, that's one of my favourites. I love it. I, I do wonder if I like How to Train Your Dragon 2 more. I think I like the first, the best out of the three, but it's a strong trilogy. I actually haven't seen three yet. Um, it, it is It is strong. It, it, they're, they're all good films. Yeah. I, I think the first one is the best, but two and three are pretty good. I've heard people kind of say it's the best animated trilogy since... Um, since Toy Story. Since Toy Story, yeah. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, not a weak number. Uh, unlike the next one, uh, where the first film, great, groundbreaking, Shrek. Yep. I'm not so keen on two, and I'm saying I was keen on three. I think it's about four now? I like it's a four. Uh, oh, gosh. Although what I haven't seen yet is the... I have seen the original Pussy Boots, which was tepid, but I hear such good things yeah, about the new Pussy Boots I, I, I haven't need seen to yet. See it. Yeah, I'm same. waiting for it to appear on some form of streaming site. But um, Yeah, so that's another one. Uh, Got to vote for Toy, Toy Story. Toy Story, classic. Absolutely. No one can... Same thing wrong with that. Although, actually, 
And this is where I think Toy Story is like the perfect trilogy. I would say Toy Story 2 is the high watermark. I'd say so too. I really like that. Um, But Toy Story, groundbreaking masterpiece. Uh, Coco, which I really adore, but struggle to rewatch for personal reasons. (laughs) (laughs) um, I really, really love Coco. I love the songs from it. I really love, I actually, I just want to blue moon. We'll listen to Mpoko Loco and stuff. Oh, it's it's a lovely film. I really like it. Um, Really rate it. Got one for Ratatouille as well. Yeah, and so actually I was thinking about what I would say to the answer to this question. Ratatouille, I I really struggle actually because I really like animation and there's a few different ones for a few different reasons. But Ratatouille is one of the one I was kind of like trying to pick one in my head is is one of them. I really like Brad Bird. I've always liked Brad Bird. I don't think he's really put a foot wrong. He probably did the best Pixar sequel since... The Toy Story ones with Incredibles 2, actually really rate yeah, Incredibles yeah, that, 2. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, and really, yeah, love Ratatouille. Um, so yeah, really rate Brad Bird and obviously Incredibles and things. If I had to choose, I was thinking about this struggling as well because it is a broad field. It really is. I think I might go for um, Princess Mononoke. Okay. Uh, it's my favourite yeah. um, uh, Studio Ghibli film. It's my favourite uh, um, Hayao Miyazaki film. I'm not sure if it's exactly my favourite as this kind of changes quite a bit. Mm. But right now... When, uh, kind of when I was putting this question together, I was thinking, oh, yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot. I love that film. I think what's quite hard with this cat, with doing this is, it's like saying, what's your favourite black and white movie? Yeah. Do you mean a comedy? Do you mean Because actually, it's not... Such a broad such spectrum. Such a broad spectrum. And obviously, most people, when they think of animation, they think of kids' movies, but actually there's adult animation things. There's kind of ones that blur the line and, and stuff. So, like, I really absolutely love, like, Waltz with Bashir and Persepolis. Um, yeah, I think they're, they're amazing, but you'd never really say they're for kids in any way, oh, shape, or form. absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love the Wes Anderson uh, stop-motion movies, which... Yes, very is, arch, very hipster. Very hipster. Um, probably not that great for kids, although they're not, not for kids. Um, they're for kids that will grow up to be fans of Wes Anderson. <laughs> My kids ever have, I have them. Um, and yeah, I like that. I really, I mean, I just adore Pixar. So there's a lot of stuff in Pixar that I'm like, you know, that could, oh, it could be that one, it could be that one, it could be that one. Um, and then yeah. there's the medium that goes back all the way to like, I think that was the 30s, the first mm-hmm. uh, feature length. Feature um, length, yeah, because it Snow was White. Snow White. And then yeah. all the shorts that came out before that. So yeah, it's a difficult one, um, and I, I I'm not saying that Ratatouille is my like one pick, but it's it's, it's up a good there. Pick, and so. again, and also then again, you've got which again is, tends to be more hand-drawn animation, but you've got anime, and uh, yeah, I really like a lot of that, and like things like Akira, I love, and so yeah, it's, I find it really hard to pick one, um, but of kind of a recent one, probably Ratatouille. Um, James the Giant Peach is up there. Uh, it's very solid. Um, yeah, anyway. love a bit of stop motion. Absolutely. So no, uh, please watch out on our socials. Um, we really do love reading these answers out and having a little chat about them. So yeah. Yeah, please good. do. Yeah, we'll put out another question soon. I think that brings us nicely on to the news. I think so. Um, Callum, what is your first piece of news? Great, because I think there's one we were going to fight over, uh, but I'm not sure. Is that uh, there's a new trailer for Oppenheimer. And it's the last one was very much a teaser, so it was just about mood and... Uh, tick-tocking clocks and you know christopher mm. nolan doing his tick-tocking clocks um and this one is the plot trailer so you get a lot more of killian murphy uh, a lot more of uh, matt damon a little bit of robert downey jr a lot of wives looking worried while putting clothes on clothes pegs and looking over their shoulder looking a bit worried in the way that christopher nolan cannot write women 
or <laughs> any of his screenwriters cannot write women, while the big men do very important work. Sw- switching and swapping between black and whites during court scenes and um, the um, vivid kind of uh, 75 millimeter footage for the big explosion, lots of all that kind of stuff. It looks very Christopher Nolan. I haven't actually seen it yet. Oh, okay. I thought um, I thought thinking... some of us, you know, work the whole bank holiday weekend uh, and haven't had a chance to watch yes. trailers. That's true. Or do fun things like that. <laughs> Didn't, I did work the whole bank holiday weekend, but also was doing things both evenings. So. But no, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I I'm so mixed on Chris Nolan. I really always want to really like his stuff. He makes it so difficult at I know. times. Like Tenet's a really good example. Love the soundtrack, love the way it's shot, love the set pieces, love David Washington. Oh my fucking God, hate the audio editing, hate the exposition. I'm glad to see Killian Murphy's finally got a lead role in one of his films. Yeah, so true. hopefully he gets an Oscar <laughs> nomination out of it. That'll be nice. Yeah. But it is coming out the same week as Barbie, so. It is. Which be one a bit will of a war, Barbie. Mm, I think. I don't know, because <laughs> I've got problems with Greta as well, so it could go. Yeah, either I'm way. not the biggest fan of um, Little Women, but I think. I'd rather be frustrated with something attempting fun than something yeah. that's attempting I, chin stroke. I think now we've thrown all pretenses of doing a um, podcast that is old and new. We should just do Barbie versus Oppenheimer Ooh, as an episode. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> let's do that. Maybe we'll have to get a guest on for that to come with it. So we can all go and have a day at the cinema, watch them both, and then come and record yeah, the podcast think, straight off. I think that would be a fun idea. <laughs> I'm game for that. Excellent. But yeah, um, okay, good. Uh, my first piece of news, I've gone down the box office route, and actually not because it's I'm struggling to fill this week, I just thought it was really interesting. Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Luke Warm. A bit tepid. Yeah, I mean, it has made money. Like, it's made, I think, about $140 million opening weekends. It's not like... 110 in the US. Yeah. Something more like 160 uh, internationally, so about 280, roughly. Yeah. So not, I must have been looking at older numbers, but yeah. Not what maybe they'd hoped. It's only the third biggest opening of the year, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit tepid. I think the sun is setting on the MCU, although I think in a way that might be just wishful thinking. But <laughs> at the least, it, it, from what I understand, it's one of the better ones in a while, that's mm. what reviews have said. And you've got to close out its franchise. So it's in a way, it's sort of it's best that it's happening now yeah, than five years from now. I actually want to see it, which Me isn't too. something I would always say yeah, about same. a lot of Marvel movies that are coming out. Um, I think it looks engaging. I think it looks fun. Um, I like some of the like the look of the characters, and I think it is meant to be quite emotional and quite and like you say, it's kind of like filling out the trilogy, which they don't always do. And I do think it's probably going to be their last because what have they got left? Yeah, I think it's going to be their last really big one unless they hit on something new. Maybe if there's a new Spider-Man, but yeah, maybe I think people are just getting a bit tired of it. Yeah, I think this could be a lot of people's last Marvel movie, certainly until they, I'm sure at some point, we'll do a big reset and like we just bring back Iron Man, but well, a new one. Speaking of um, Toy Story, there was a meme I saw where uh, Andy drives away and gives all the toys away <laughs> for college, and all the toys are the um, Guardians. No, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, like, really? Thanks, guys. <laughs> and then there's one shout um uh, one of the toys is kevin feige uh, saying no come back we've got more we've got more don't go yet <laughs> brilliant but yeah excellent and what is your second piece of news well, this looks a bit fun uh nicholas cage and bill skarsgård set for andrew nichols lord of war sequel 
Um, and, you know, that's often when you ask people what their favorite Nicolas Cage film or at least performance is, that often ranks quite high in there. It's one of the better ones of when he was starting to go down the more straight to DVD route. It's one of the last good ones for a while before this um, reinvention. And uh, yeah, so uh, Bill Skarsgård is going to be playing his son. So the plot summary on Deadline is uh, in Lord of War, a sequel title not fully uh, revealed yet. Uh, Yuri, played by Nicolas Cage, the world's most notorious gunrunner, discovers he has a son, Anton, who isn't trying to right his father's wrongs, he's trying to top them. Not only selling guns, but the trigger pullers too. Anton is a, amassing a mercenary army to fight America's Middle East conflicts. This is the story of Yuri and Anton's bitter rivalry. So uh, yeah, looks like it could be fun. I, I like both performers. And I think a lot of people like Lord of the War. Uh, Lord of the War? Lord of War. It had that really great opening sequence with the, the manufacturing of the bullets and yeah, going into the head it. of the guy. But try topping that, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I like Lord Although of the War. Although the film they could top. The film is mid with a great oh, opening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great opening. And, and a good solid a performance. Of good scenes, yeah. I quite like the scene when... He lands the plane on the road and everyone goes and takes all the pieces of the plane away. So then when the FBI agent played by uh, Ethan Hawke gets there, he's like, but I got no plane. But yeah, anyway. Got no plane. My last piece of news. I want to take you back to the year 2003. Two young chaps by the name Phil Lord and Chris Miller. (laughs) And one chap who's just launched a soon-to-be hit TV series called Scrubs come out with a cartoon series on MTV called Callum uh, Clone High Clone High it's coming back fantastic which you've known about for a while it's going to be on HBO Max 20 years because it's going to come it's 20, 2003 and this is now 2023 for those that don't know time um, and yeah they've, they've been talking about it for a while and there's been a couple of like teaser trailers but there is finally a proper trailer for it um, and I'm really excited because I really like Clone High. Me and, too. And uh, to be fair, all three are riding pretty high at the minute, aren't they? We, like, um, Bill Lawrence seems to be the, um, what's the word I'm looking for, the kind of top comedy guy on uh, Apple TV. He's a, uh, certainly a hit mater, mater? maker. He, maker. He is, He's a yeah. hit maker. Between um, Ted Lasso and what was the other one? Shrinking. I really like? Shrinking. Really like that. Um, and then obviously Phil uh, Lord and Chris Miller, like every single film that people want to watch. Um, it, animated and not uh, that is in comedy is made by them. Uh, so yeah, it is coming back. For those that don't know, it is basically about uh, clones of fa- famous characters through history who have been re whatever you cloned. Well, cloned. Yes, <laughs> cloned cloned is the word. Hence the title. <laughs> yeah, uh, and sent to high school. Um, so no, uh, very exciting. Excellent. I think that <laughs> takes us. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> that takes us on to the films. The films. <laughs> so, what films are we going to talk about this week, Callum? Well, we're going to be doing two war movies, both of which have uh, Colin Firth in them. Um, the first is the more recent, it's Operation Mincemeat. It came out earlier this year. And um, we've also got The Railway Man, which came out, I believe, in 2013. And uh, both cover a slightly different side of the war. And both have Colin Firth playing someone very restrained and reserved. Who He kind of does the same voice in both, actually, but we'll talk about that Slightly later, I'm sure. Stilted and voice. British. British. I was in the war. I was in the war. And it changed me. It changed me a lot. 
Jolly good. <laughs> um, Should we have a cup of tea then? Who wants to kick off which? I don't mind. Um, I can do Operation Mincemate. Cool. Hark back to the war. The Germans, they're starting to win. The Brits, they're worried. The Americans, they're worried. And the Germans have sussed out what the Brits want to do. The Brits want to invade Sicily, take back the Sicily and then Italy and go in through... Um, what's his name? I've forgotten his name. Uh... The douche. No. <laughs> douche? Yeah, that's what I used to call it. El Duque. Oh. Um, um, what's his bloody name? That's really bad. <laughs> anyway, I think... Podcast, jump, remembering names. Jumping um, ahead. The fascist dictator of Mussolini. Fuck's sake. Um, I didn't Google that, by the way. It was in my brain somewhere. Um, Mussolini. Um, and take him and then take Europe. Because famously, the trains run on time in Mussolini's Italy. That's what I used to like to say. The racists. Yes. Um, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I digress. Uh, the British, if they've got any chance of winning, need to convince the Germans that they are going to invade Greece or somewhere else instead. Greece is where they pick, but they need to convince them they're going to invade somewhere else instead. So what do they do? They decide they need to somehow get fake intelligence into the Germans' hands. And they decide the easiest, well, easiest, <laughs> it didn't seem very easy. The best way to do this and the way to convince them was to have a fake person who, in military uniform wash up dead on the seas <laughs> of uh, Spain and get that information, that would get that information to the hands of Franco's forces. And to do that and make it believable, they have to create a human out of thin air. That's the, that's the plot. Very well done. That's the first part of the plot, anyway. <laughs> so, Callum, what did you think about all this spirey? I found it so incredibly mid, but there's nothing wrong with mid. You know, mid is fine. We're it's, using the word mid a lot at the minute, aren't we? Well, I mean, it just, I feel like it's my word. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I have. Uh, but co-opted it. It is true, though. It's. Um, I'm going to start to my tropes soon. Yeah, please do. Uh, well, you know, if you want to talk about tropes, these movies <laughs> are full of the fuckers. Trope, trope. Um, but it is it is incredibly you know it's fine it it's a Sunday afternoon and I think we did watch it on May, if not a Sunday then a, a bank holiday Monday evening uh, with a pizza and it was per- perfectly satisfactory and I think we we even picked it because we were looking for a lot of other movies which were probably a lot better in hindsight we but were just like oh can't be bothered can't to be bothered Mank. yeah can't be bothered to watch Mank or uh, Licorice Pizza I sound a bit like hard work at the moment let's just do the, the nice British war movie mm. it is incredible nice yeah well i mean and it's nice the nice war movie. the nice that nice war movie um but it is sort of framed in that way it's made it's an old-fashioned movie it's a movie that's sort of looking back to films made in well propaganda films of the 40s and and uh, cutesy british war movies of the 1950s there's nothing wrong with that it's perfectly satisfactory and it tells its tale well um, the best scenes, I think, is when they're trying to piece it all together mm. and they're, they're trying to make it look as authentic as possible. So amongst this corpse, they're putting love letters and uh, um, letters to high command and, and um, you know, a mint, you know, stuff that people would have in their pockets. And I, I like that kind of thing because that made it feel like a heist film. Mm. Like, um, yeah, they had to keep going back and uh, making the letter more convincing and, and they, you know, keep rereading it and re-putting it in. And then they weren't quite sure if the Germans were going to 
pick the body up and believe it. And then yeah, actually, exactly. Spain, which was meant to be neutral, and the people actually that get hold of the body are very neutral, and they're all panicked about that. Yes, exactly. And so there's a lot of fun to be had there. It's just it's all very mild. Mm. Um, the the performances are fine, um, but you know all of these actors have done better work. So you have Colin Firth as um, the, the the main officer, and you have Matthew McFadden, Kelly McDonald. They're all doing fine work, but we've seen them better elsewhere. And it almost feels like the kind of film that you make when everybody else has a few months free from doing other stuff. So uh, Matthew McFadden probably, you know, between, had, between succession seasons and Colin Firth probably had a better film that he's more proud of, but this slot in, slotted in quite nicely. And there's, and it, it's hard because there's not a lot to talk about a middling, fine, no-nonsense British war movie. It's directed by John Madden, who kind of specializes in that stuff. So his most famous film is Shakespeare in Love, but he's he's done a few other films like Proof and this, uh, which are all kind of they're comfortably nice British films that go down well with a cup of tea and the biscuit, or if you're watching it in the evening, a pizza. And there's really not a lot else to say about it. Um I'm actually struggling to come up with anything interesting to say about a very middling, fine, no-nonsense, ho-hum British war movie. So why don't you kind of take over for now and might come up with something else? Yeah, it's incredibly mid. Um, I, just like you, enjoyed the 45 minutes of the film that was kind of coming up with this plot. What I really didn't enjoy, really, was the hour-long kind of weird love triangle, love interest kind of shoehorned in. Um, And I think it's a hard one because I think there was more mileage about them doing the plot, maybe there could have been more stuff with them trying to get it through government, and maybe there could have been more stuff about behind enemy lines, and they could have threshed out that side of things a bit more. Um, although I think possibly there was budget, I, I think it had about $6 million budget, which is not a lot of money. Um, and I suspect Colin costs a mill or two. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't imagine it was that expensive. Um, Matt McFadden was good. He does that thing that he does when he's quite, you know, kind of, looks sad like a sad puppy without he does sad actually, eyes he very does well sad eyes very well he does that very well didn't really like what's her face or kelly mcdonald i didn't think i thought she was acting in a different movie but because it harks back to um a couple of weeks ago's colin farrell movie where uh, olivia coleman felt like she was acting in a different movie she if she didn't fit in that well i didn't think with their with the the rest of it, there was a few weird little subplots thrown in as well that weren't really th- threshed out. Um, so they would be the main criticisms, but it was fine. It was just like you say, it was fine on a Sunday afternoon. It told quite an interesting story, maybe not in as interesting way as it could have been told. Um, but I suppose how much mileage is there in that story on the other side of the coin? Because, you know, they put some papers on a dead body and threw it in well, the sea. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of these movies where the trailer will always say the same thing, the operation that turns the tide of the war. Mm. And you find yourself thinking, after seeing four or five of these movies, like, well, which one it's did It's not it? quite decoding the enigma. Yeah, exactly. So. Which one turned the tide? Because they can't have all done it, can they? And yeah, you're right, it's not the enigma. And yeah, you're right, the, the interpersonal relationship stuff was... It almost felt like they were just stalling for time to get it to feature yeah, length. Absolutely. There's nothing about that that was believable. I didn't believe but any I, of that. I think it may have been true, some of it, but I didn't believe any of it. I think if they had maybe a bit more money, they could have threshed out a 90-minute movie that was more about the war and less about the love interest. Um, whether they kind of need to do that, because it's, it's a British movie and, you know, a 50-year-old woman and a 50-year-old man will probably go and see it together on a Sunday afternoon because that's where we'll, well you know, exactly. that's, that's what this is marketed That is the at. audience, isn't it? Um and yeah, you know, maybe that's the the problem. But but no, I, I it was fine. 
I think that's as much as you can say about it. It was, it was if you've got nothing better to do and you want a war movie, I'm sure there was a really big target audience, particularly in the UK, that lapped this movie up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And actually, the one thing I did think about is when um, uh, the end, towards the end of the film, there was a shot where Matthew McFadden and Colin Firth were standing together. And I thought to myself, oh, they're both Mr. Darcy's. Yeah, they are. And they're, yeah. they're, the, they're the most That's famous Mr. Darcy's. steps near Parliament. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, that could have been an interesting film. And they make the two Darcy's, like uh, the two doctors. <laughs> oh, well, we, we're not watching that film, though. <laughs> I do like Matt McFadden. I think he's... Yeah, me too. Um, kind of glad he's finally got a bit of recognition it's one of the, those cases he's a hard-working actor has been for years and it just sort of didn't seem like it was happening for him and no, then for someone all of a sudden mr it darcy did. as well you'd think you'd but... think he'd have the sort of fangirl sort of backing behind him yeah but now yeah he, he has his moment has come and that's good excellent um but yeah i think that is probably as yeah much i don't as we need to i don't think we movie. can really wring more out of this we probably can't <laughs> and with that an advertisement break. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back. Well, I would Don't you dare me. say about dollars. <laughs> you said the word. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I didn't say the full thing. No, no, that's true. Anywho, we are now on to our dos movos of the weekos. Absolutely. So, so this is uh, The Railway Man, and it again stars Colin Firth as Eric Lomax. And when we meet him, uh, it's post-war. So it, I think uh, it's supposed to be in sometime in the mid-80s. And he's a kind of reserved man. Again, he, he gets onto a train and sits in front of uh, Nicole Kidman, uh, who, and her name is suddenly Patricia Lomax. And they have a slightly awkward conversation that leads to something far more well, romantic. Jolly ho, cup right. of tea. Jo- jolly ho. I, I really like trains. And there's something quite off about him. Like he, he's very polite. Uh, they're flirtatious, but but it, it almost feels like he's distant as well. And they have this kind of whirlwind, whirlwind romance. And he's very kind to her. He's very sweet. He's very loving. But there's still something, and something's not clicking for Nicole Kidman for for um, his wife. And it's only when he has an absolutely traumatic flashback to a time in Second World War when he was stationed in the Philippines and captured... Singapore. Singapore, sorry. Gosh, and I just read that. Philippines is um, the Merry Christmas of Lawrence. Yeah, I think that is why. (laughs) Uh, And and I I was reading that, Singapore, 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 say Singapore. (laughs) Uh, But yes, and, uh, and he keeps on having this flashback of being dragged into this room 
by a Japanese officer. But he won't talk about it because, you know, people at that time didn't. And she goes to find out more from his friend, who is also a prisoner of war around the same time, or in, in the same the, the same capture. Um, a friend of his played by Stellan Skarsgård. And he tells her the story up to a point. And he tells her the story, and in the flashback scenes played by uh, Jeremy Irvine, of great and horrible torture. And, I'm not, and I'm not going to say why they tortured him specifically, because there is something in kind of what it is he's doing that they considered so bad that they had to torture him. Uh, I don't want to give too much away. But um, they they torture him horribly. And many years later, Stellan Skarsgård gives Colin a news clipping of a Jap Japanese article. He finds out that the Japanese officer that tortured him so horribly is seems to be happy. And he's turned that camp into a museum and colin decides to travel to that to the remains of the camp where he was tortured to confront the japanese officer so i don't want to give any more away because there's fun and surprises well, fun. maybe not fun but surprises to be had so johnny what did you think of the railway man well it is just a barrel of laughs just like <laughs> you just described uh no it's it's i like it uh, i think it's a very serious movie um about some, I think it ha it touches on some important points around mental health, around forgiveness, around, um, and also just you know a history that I think a lot of people don't know. I think we talk a lot and we see a lot in movies about what happened in the Second World War in Europe, but actually I think what happened in the Pacific region and what happened in Southeast Asia um, is is quite forgotten. Um, and there were some pretty bad things that happened there, um, mainly under the hands of the Japanese, um, all through that region. And not obviously this film in particular, and I think this is maybe where it slightly falls down slightly, um, but this film in particular is talking um, about a lot, you know, experiences of British and Australian, etc., servicemen, uh, Allied servicemen. But actually, as well, what happened to a lot of the, the um, you know, the, the lo local people. So actually... Uh, what he was put to work on and what, what you know, he was, yeah, what he was kind of railing against, rail, hey, train, hey. Uh, was he was building the, the Thai Burma Railway, uh, which if anyone who knows was made famous in the movie Bridge Over the River Kwai, uh, which is actually not called Kwai. It was, that's a dodgy translation from, uh, uh, from Westerners, but there we go. Um, but yeah, which is uh, near Kachanaburi in Thailand. Uh, and the, the, it's based on a true story, um, this book. And the muse, this book, this film, it's based on a book as well. Um, and actually that museum, I believe, is still there. Um, but it's, it's near the end of an area called Hellfire Pass, which is shown a lot. Uh, which is this big cutting where um, all of the, the labourers were forced to cut through it. And there were lots of deaths. There was a lot of deaths from malaria. There was a lot of deaths from effectively starvation. And there was a huge amount of deaths from just cruelty, beating, torture, just being shot at point blank range um, by the, the Japanese forces over there. Um, and I think it's an important story to tell that isn't always told that well. I think this tells it a lot more realistically than 
but it's still not perfect, but it tells it a lot more realistically than than something like Bridge Ever Choir, where they're all having a jolly good time, you know, giving it to those Japanese people that are interning them and they're all making little jokes with each other and da da da. Well, actually, they were basically slowly starving to death and dying of malaria, and it was a really disgusting thing uh, that happened. And I think that whole, um, I think this film shows it better. Um, and I think, so it touches on that well, it touches on the idea of forgiveness, and it touches on. Um, it's say, yeah, mental health quite well. So now, overall, I like it. Um, it's nothing particularly exciting cinematography-wise, although I do respect that they actually, I think it's, it, the ending is shot in Thailand, which I do, do respect. Um, I, the acting is all fairly serviceable, with one one notable exception. Um, but yeah, I, overall, I really like it. I think it tells an important story. I think it does it quite well, but the mechanics of the film are nothing to write home about. How about you? Yeah, pretty much the same. Um, it does tell a very important story. And, you know, after something more cosy like Operation Mincemeat, which is very much a, based on a propaganda pieces of the 40s and 50s, to tell a, a real story about the war, uh, not that Operation Mincemeat, of course, that was a real story, but told in a way that's very comfortable. This is not comfortable. It uh, tells some very dark and harrowing truths about the war. Um just to front load the things I didn't like, I thought that the pacing was a little lopsided. I yeah, wasn't I really that. that interested in his romance with Nicole Kidman. Um, in fact, the parts I was really mainly interested in were, were the flashback sequences um, with Jeremy Irvine, who never really impressed me in things. Like uh, he, he broke up because of Warhorse, but in this, I, I found him. Good in this. He was really good in this, and it was the first time I've really thought rated him. I've never really rated him before. Found him always find him a bit drippy usually, and in this, he's anything but. Um, and him going back to confront the older version of the man, and it's funny you should say that. Um, so the performances were serviceable with one exception and i'm wondering if our exception is going to be the same because uh, there's an actor a japanese actor i really like and i might be butchering his name here so i apologize hiroyuki sanada who's uh, yeah, an excellent who's actor. the saying the exception was um <laughs> for western audiences uh, he was in the twilight samurai in the early 2000s which became quite a big international hit and he tends to be the actor that when ken watanabe is busy uh he'll be the western act uh in western films yeah. they'll get him so the wolverine and sunshine and a bunch of other really good movies well middling that that word again uh hollywood films but he's probably the most famous outside of ken actor in the west that from japan and he's excellent he's tremendous but he's in it for far too little he's only in mm, i think only 10 minutes at the end maybe maybe, maybe not even that um, and the, the, his journey back home was, oh, back home, uh, his journey um, back to this place where they tortured him was very impressive. And the flashbacks were very impressive. I wanted the film to be about that. And yeah, there it, are documentaries about that. It would have almost been more interesting to have like their two lives after the war. Yeah. And you could have had him meeting her and then having yeah, the flashbacks exactly. and, and, and that. Like, yeah. like if you saw both men's lives, but because this is made by uh, Western filmmakers, Australian exactly. filmmaker, um, Screen Australia, I think it said at the start, um, it's not really at that. If it's being completely honest with itself, um, Hiroyuki Sanada's part is a prop more than a character. Or a person, you know, even though he's a based on real person. So they're not really that interested. They're interested in Eric's life and no one else's. Um, you know, that, that aside, um, they handle everything very well. Um, it's handsomely shot, if not spectacularly. 
it's clearly inspired by um, um, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, in terms of how it tells the story a, a bit. I actually thought the young, I don't know how they acted the Palladium, but the young version of the Japanese general actually played a passing resemblance to Richie Yamamoto. And I almost yeah. thought they picked him for, because he looks, oh, I like Merry Christmas to Lawrence. So let's pick someone who looks like and Richie Yamamoto. they also didn't subtitle the Japanese in this as no, well. Exactly, Although there's far less of it, to yeah, be fair. Yeah. And um, that character is an interpreter, so he does speak English for most, if mm. not all of his dialogue. So, you know, it, it, it it's inspired. It's not biting off the apple. Um, otherwise, it's kind of very traditional. Um, it's telling a more, more, lot more important story. It's not cosy, but it's it's not. It's also not rocking the boat mm-hmm. and doing anything that's going to kind of set the world on fire. Uh, but it's a lot more of an important story, and it's trying to tell a story of the war that is less about when then we gave the Jerry's a damn good smashing or, or whatever. And it was all decisions made in the you know in Whitehall. You exactly. know, us in Whitehall, we're saving it. We're going to get a dead body sent to Spain. No, it was actually about someone... the tide of the war. It was actually about someone who was treated by absolute, like absolute shit because of the war and, and, and mental scars. PTSD needs to be addressed more. Exactly. As you say, mental health is, is very important. It's addressed far too little in American or even British or Australian war movies. We need to confront that. Yeah, it's all, they were a hero, they went home. The only ones that really do it are Vietnam movies. It's like, yeah. well, no, this happened after every war, but because the term Vietnam shell is, shock came from it's the Second World okay, War. It's okay to criticise Vietnam, I think mm-hmm. that's it. It's not okay at all to criticise no. uh, any decision ever made. Um, um, so well, I also that think kind of thing. the thing is, I think especially in the UK, there's that old very, well, they were, you know, they had a stiff upper lip and no one ever talked about the war after the war finished. And it's like, mm, yeah. yeah, there's that, maybe that's the reason why there's two or three generations of emotionally stunted well, men, ch- men babies. And we, we talked about this. A lot of them going to Eton. A lot, we talked about this a bit in uh, Banshees of Sharon about how stoicism can become yeah. toxic if not addressed. And it's very much the same here. You have uh, characters who are so traumatised that, they would rather murder someone as a way to get rid of it than to talk to their wife about it, mm-hmm. um, which is a horrible thing to a thought to have. But it's true. A lot of people, you know, there is no treatment for that or very little treatment for that. No, absolutely. But yeah, unless you have anything more to add, I think no, that I probably think, I think that wraps, wraps up. that review up nicely. So, Callum. Scores on the doors for Op Mince mm. Meat. Let's see. Operation Mince Meat, probably... A comfortable middling as it is, five out of ten, the word of the day. Uh, it's solid. It's not spectacular in any way. The acting is good, but again, nothing spectacular about the acting or, or how it's staged mm. or the story told. It's all very fine. It, it's watchable and nothing else. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with that. I was teetering. I, my head switched between six and four. My okay. head was thinking four because of... I really don't think that like the love story, but six because actually I think the acting's you know is up there and the mechanics are fine and stuff. So I think probably split the difference at five again. So I think yeah. I'd agree on that one. And what about the Rowie Man? It could have been so much better had they changed things up. But as it is, the film that we have it's it's a very good, uh, if not perfect, seven out of ten. I'd say um, it's got stuff to like about it. Um, and the really good stuff is really good. Uh, there's not enough in there to bring it up to the level of something like Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, uh, which is the high watermark of this, um, you know, war in the Pacific. 
sort of a um, film, but it's good. No, it is good. It's it's worth watching um, for some of the performances alone. Yeah, I think I I think they luck lucked is the wrong word, but they've picked a good story and they've told most of it, but they could have told it better. Um, from a mechanics point of view, from an acting point of view, for the most part, although, like we say, there is one notable exception, I think it probably is quite similar to Mincemeat, but because it is a better... Mincemeat, unfortunately, is probably not enough story to fill two hours, whereas this is enough story to fill two hours, and actually they've added something in they didn't need to because they, they could have told more of that story. Um, so, uh, yeah, I actually really agree with a 7 out of 10. Could have been a 9 quite easily, but with if they'd have told more of the both sides of the story and made it, you know, a bit more, yeah, it kind of meet in the middle a bit more, but um, it was, like you say, a bit lopsided. The interesting bit was the last 40 minutes. Yeah, totally. Um, or maybe a bit more than that because the flashback scenes, but the first 40 minutes I didn't really care that much about. But no, I, yeah, I still think it's an important movie and I still think people should watch it. And it is for free on the BBC Live Player at the moment. So why don't you get on there and watch it? Well, I think that ties this week up nicely anyway um thank you once again for tuning in please get on our socials and reply to our questions do you want to do an asmr outro sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.